This is Creating Copowerment Radio, conversations and inspiration to help you embrace change, connect with others, and fully embody your personal life mission. Here's your host of Creating Copowerment Radio, Transitions Life Coach and author, Lonnie Kwan. Welcome to Creating Copowerment Radio, based in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm your host, Lonnie Kwan, and we're here today with resonant coaching master coach, Jane Warrilow, author of An Energy Awakening, How the Power of Energy Can Change Your Life, and her latest book, The Secret Language of Resonance. Our topic of discussion today is dealing with difficulty, even death. Welcome, Jane. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, Lonnie, thank you. It's my pleasure. It really is. It's such an honor to be on your show and support your work in the world. So thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's a joy. Uh, We've known each other about three years now, and I'm so grateful to know you and to share you with our listeners. You know, in relation to our topic, I know you yourself have faced tremendous obstacles and adversity. And I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing how that has shaped your worldview. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting because it's completely changed my relationship with life. And, you know, it's it's done that in a way that I guess hindsight is a wonderful thing. You, You can never connect the dots looking forward. But when you look back on certain times in your life, specifically the challenges and the adversity and the things that you you have to overcome, and particularly for myself, the things I had to overcome, it is where you start to kind of connect those dots and start to realize what a powerful impact, you know, those those challenging times had for me. For some reason, they kind of awoke me to a, a different life and, and, and literally brought me back to life, I guess is the best way of explaining it. You know, to encapsulate the things you've been through in the short time we have, of course, is impossible. But I wonder if you could provide an example or two, because I know our listeners have been through challenging times too. And Um, you have faced um, things that most people don't face. Yeah, yeah. You know, and thank you for kind of, you know, pulling that out and affirming that for me. And I guess I'm going to speak to probably the biggest challenge I had, I've had in my life, Um, because I had other challenges before, definitely, but in some ways they pale in comparison to what happened to me in in 2001 and the birth of, of my third child, Jacob. And during that birth process, I sustained a a massive medical injury to my spinal cord, my bladder and my kidneys that also went misdiagnosed for 10 months. And um, in many ways, that was, I suppose we all have a defining moment in our lives. And I think that was probably my greatest challenge. And it was a health challenge. It came packaged as a health challenge. Um, But there was so much complexity to it that um, I ended up 10 months after giving birth to Jacob and, and not getting anywhere in the medical community with people all thinking that there was nothing wrong with me, suddenly collapsing and then going on what was really like a a roller coaster of diagnoses to find myself ultimately in um, having lots of surgeries, nothing worked. I was on morphine, I was in a wheelchair, I couldn't walk. It was just, I was bedridden for three years and kind of culminated in me um, going to see 
one of the top neuro urologists in the world at the time who wasn't seeing patients at the time but but was um, doing research at Imperial College London but um, agreed to see me and I took all my case notes and everything down there and my hope for this meeting with this with this top consultant was to find a way off the drugs and, and a way to get my life back and that was my hope going into this meeting. And then um, in that meeting, basically to be told that um, I, I didn't have a life, that I was, um, that my injuries were going to end my life prematurely. I probably had less than 10 years left to live. She couldn't be exact, but she thought 10 years from the date of the original injury, which would put my death um, at, at the best outcome at 2011, and that everything was going to continue to degenerate. And that really, it really was a bleak outlook. And I remember her looking at me and saying, Jane, you need to, you're in denial, and you need to go home and just make the most of the time you have left with your children. Mm. And that's a devastating thing for anybody to say to you let alone somebody who's supposedly at the top of their profession and I can't tell you what that did to me you know physically emotionally mentally and even spiritually I just collapsed in a heap and I'd like to tell you that I had lots of courage and you know I, I just thought straight away oh you know I don't, I don't need to listen to this woman but I didn't I, I literally listened to her and I just fell to pieces because when you have no life in front of you, everything just almost comes into sharp focus. And it's suddenly like, oh my God, I, I knew I was really ill, but I didn't know I was that ill. You're such a hopeful and optimistic person. And then to have an expert, you know, we put a lot of um, stake in what experts say. And you had been to multiple doctors and and people and then to have the top expert tell you that um i can only imagine i know i know how courageous you are and i know how optimistic and strong you are and i know that she was wrong <laughs> yeah you know like here we are in 2014 and your health you know you still have some challenges but you're nowhere near where she foresaw you to be Yes, exactly. Thank God, yes. Yes. And I mean, you t you talk about it and I've had other people say, you know, that was very, you know, coming back to life after a diagnosis like that, you know, is, is very courageous. You had so much courage. And I've had people who are in similar situations saying to me, no, I just don't have that courage. And what I want to say to people, you know, if anybody's in a real dark night of the soul now, whether it's a health challenge or a life challenge or an emotional challenge is it doesn't feel courageous at the time. Time. Honestly, it feels like to me at that time when I suddenly, well, it wasn't suddenly, it was gradual, when I realized that I didn't have to share the worldview of this consultant, that I could choose to believe something else. I mean, that was really the germination of an idea that, you know, I really didn't have anything left to lose because as far as everybody else was concerned, I was going to lose my life anyway. So really there was no, in a way it was a choice, but there was no choice. 
because I felt really backed into a corner. And if they were right and I was wrong, I was going to die, you know. But if I was right and they were wrong, maybe I there was something, some hope that I could live. But it never felt certain. It never felt sure. I had no idea what I was doing. There was no clear recipe for success. There was nothing. It was just, okay, I need to find a different way if there is one. And you know, and the more I talk to people about things like this, the more I realize that we all come to this point in our life, right? And okay, mine was incredibly dramatic, more than most. But we come to this point in our life where we have this question. It's like this threshold where we say, you know, do, do I want to choose life or not? Do I want to live? Am I saying yes to my life and everything that that means for me? Am I willing to take responsibility for my own life? Because I mean, I work with executives who haven't yet chosen life. They haven't yet taken responsibility for their own life yet. And they could be at sea level and yet they're still living the, the legacy of their father or the thing they think they should be doing. They still haven't said, this is my life and I'm going to claim it. So I think we all get there, you know, in different ways. You're listening to Creating Copalmet Radio with host Lonnie Kwan. It's amazing to me. You work with executives, you work with CEOs, you work with politicians, you work with people who are functioning at an incredibly high level professionally, and yet in their personal lives, they've, um, they have no idea, some of them, um, what it is they're actually here to do, what their calling is. And that's why I love what you do. I love you, and I admire so much what you do about connecting people with their life purpose and helping them not just to see their way forward, but really to uncover the things that had been holding them back. Um, a lot of times people are not aware of what's holding them back. In Newfield Network Speak, the coach training program that I went through, um, Julio Alala calls that master assessments where we have false beliefs where we think that it's true, we just think it's the way things are, but really it's a it's a choice, it's a perspective, it's a it's a belief that is um, as real as we invest time and energy into it. Yeah. And I think, you know, the perspective piece is is absolutely critical because when you realize that there is no truth out there that it doesn't exist everything is subjective everybody has their own perspective on things and they're all different and unique when you realize that you start to realize that there's there's a flexibility for you there in your own perspective because you it doesn't make anybody right or anybody wrong. And there's a great quote by Rumi that says, out beyond the field of right and wrong, there is a field, I'll meet you there. And that's where I live my life from now, is, is that field that's out beyond the judgment. Because I've realized that this life, this thing we call life, is so exciting to me. And, and I come alive, I come more alive at the edges of what we believe is possible. And this is literally where I came back to life because the medical profession didn't believe it was possible for me to come back to life. And yet this is also what now defines my work in, in the global executive world, you know, in with small business owners, with coaches, is this idea that we think we know, but we don't. We, it's just all pretense. 
We don't know. For some people, that's a frightening thing. And for other people, it's such a freeing thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's a, a real ability to dance on the edge of life instead of walking um, carefully on a tightrope. We actually dance and jump and skip <laughs> through life. And, um, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, at the moment you're based in Florida, you're in the process of a move, but you coach internationally and you also, um, you coach other coaches. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about what you do on resonantcoaching.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. So one of the spaces that really fascinates me, and it's also a space that's now enabled through the technology, as you mentioned there, Lani, is this idea of a global conversation. And, you know, that sounds very simple when you say it in two words that way. But really, what does it mean for us to open into this new global space that we have? Because certainly in the world at the moment, we're facing challenges that can only be solved at a, at a global systems level. And so for me, this global conversation is is so important to us and to our time. And so, you know, what I love about what I, the work that I do in resonant coaching is what, what I really learned through my own healing journey was, I mean, I, I've been a, a leadership consultant and coach in organizational development, strategic business work for um, over 20 years. And so that was my world. That was my professional life. And then I, you know, in my hobby time, I was doing spiritual retreats, I'm a spiritual healer and channeler, I do shiatsu and energy medicine, oriental medicine. And what happened through my healing was I, I actually went to all the energy work that, that I knew and, and then really started to heal myself in, in alternative ways. Then coming back to work afterwards was like walking into the living dead. Walking back into the corporate space, it was so dead in terms of energy, it was a shock. I mean, I went into a fight or flight response. It was, it was really bad. And that that was when I knew I had to fuse the two worlds together. Everything that I knew about leadership, strategic business development and growth and everything that I knew about the free flowing um, energies. And so this is how this has culminated in this brand of resonant coaching, because now I work at the C-suite, but my, my work has changed at a fundamental level because now I'm looking at, you know, how do we be much more conscious in terms of building conscious community and organizational life in terms of our leadership you know, and how we actually show up to life, you know, where's the life energy and how do we harness the energy of an organization? And the reason why I've developed resonant coaching and I work with coaches is there's two groups of people that I believe are absolutely critical at the moment in the world. One is leaders and the other is coaches. Leaders are important because I believe we'll actually change the world through the world of business, whether that's in a global organization or whether that's in a small business environment. It is business, I believe, that's actually going to change the world and then coaches because I believe coaches are the facilitators of this new evolutionary dynamic that's coming in this new search for meaning um, this new way of actually holding things in a less rigid way and moving into in some ways the the quantum physics that we now know is how our world is stacked up it's not the Newtonian view of world it's much more free-flowing and energetic so when we start to look at the differences and how we're 
moving into deeper meaning and more of an energetic perspective, then what does that mean for us as leaders? What does that mean for us as coaches? And how can we be much more conscious and intentional in the work we do? And so this is what this this work is now. This body of work now it is, is my legacy and it is my passion to really develop this in a way, but to develop it not just so that it's what I think it should be, but to develop it in the new way, which I believe is dialogue. So really being close, listening deeply to my market, to my clients, and really starting to evolve this in a much more collaborative space. Absolutely. And this is how you and I are so aligned. We, um, you know, the world has been competitive for far too long. And we really view things as more of a collaboration and a co-powerment, empowering, optimal win-win outcomes for all concerned. And that has been, you know, one of the joys of knowing you and knowing the work that you do. And then connecting you and, and, and you connecting me as well with other people who are doing similar things in the world so that we can make it better. Competition has not served us. Competition has led us to the brink of our own extinction. And so even more now than ever, it's so vital that people wake up and embrace their true energy And I love that you don't shy away from that word. You know, a lot of folks might think that's woo-woo. I know our (laughs) listeners won't because we are woo-woo and we're proud of it. But I know, you know, you talk about it in, um, in places where that's an unfamiliar term for a lot of people in the C-suites and the, in uh, conferences where people are not familiar with the concept of energy and how energy can flow in a particular way and you actually show them um you know you get them up out of their seat and moving and you show them what energy is and they are just blown away i've seen it happen it's really about awakening people to their own potentials again yeah i agree and you know and what's great about about this work is that i'm really starting to see a difference so you know the evolution is absolutely in flow now and what five years ago would have been um you know somebody would have from the executive suite would have put me over there with the angel lady and thought it was way too woo-woo. now the words energetic and resonance now are, are kind of in mainstream corporate life and so it's a lot easier now to to have these conversations And what I think, I mean, there's some great work that's recently come out of the Center for Creative Leadership about how leadership is developing in organizations. And I I believe this is also true of life in general. And we're moving away from the old models of, of leadership, which are known as horizontal development, which is a little bit like if you bring your empty glass to me and I fill it up, you know, then that's the old horizontal model. You know, you go to an expert, they fill your glass up and you come away. The new model is vertical development which means you bring your empty glass to me and then we're going to together look at how we can make your glass bigger so it's not just about filling your glass up anymore it's actually about how can we give you an experience of yourself that absolutely expands your capacity and probably shifts your entire relationship with the world because you see this is what's now needed in in leadership development this is what's being called forth from our leaders particularly those that are working in the global space but I 
believe it's relevant at all different levels of society. We're all being called now into a leadership position. And so, you know, the question sometimes people say, is it the glass half empty or is it half full? My question is not, well, you know, be glad you've got a glass at all. That's the first thing, because there's so many people in the world that don't have a glass. And then secondly, look at your glass and, and work out how can you expand the capacity of that glass. So it's not about how much water you've got in it, but how much capacity do you have? Because that's your potential right there. And that's what this lifetime is all about for you, is about expanding that capacity so that you can fulfill your potential in this lifetime. Yes, and it's about being able to refill your glass with the right things, you know, mm-hmm. with joy and with love and with the ability to be generous and and gratitude for what we already have so that we can then connect with others in a positive way as opposed to a a fearful or forceful way, which was the old way of doing things. And, um, you know, one of the things I love about your work is, you know, based on your own challenges, but also based on your expertise, you really encourage and support people in becoming more resilient Mm. in being able to not just face the challenges that life has, but to ride with it and find the positives in those challenges. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to share a little bit. I know you're familiar. We have had conversations about post-traumatic growth, which most people mm. are not familiar with. Most people have heard about post-traumatic stress disorder in relation to war and, you know, other traumas that people experience, including surgery or pregnancy. But not a lot of people are familiar with post-traumatic growth. And it's an area that um, several positive psychologist researchers have looked into, but most notably Dr. Martin E.P. Seligman in his book, Flourish, A Visionary New Understanding of Happiness and Well-Being, where, you know, he discovered with his uh, researchers, his fellow researchers, that people who've gone through one or more awful traumatic experiences, for example, torture, grave illness, death of a child, you know, things we don't want to really go through, but life sometimes hands to us. He found that to their surprise, individuals who'd experienced that event had more intense strengths and therefore higher well-being. And individuals who'd been through two or more were even more resilient. I mean, of course, none of us want to go through these things, but it's it's encouraging to know that what doesn't kill us really does make us stronger. <laughs> And I, I wondered what your thoughts are on that groundbreaking research. Yeah, and for me, it absolutely fits. It's so in alignment with, with my own experience. But not only my own experience, also the experience of, of numerous clients that, I, that I've worked with as they've been going through um, challenges and adversity and really trying to make sense of it in their world. And, you know, There's a key piece here, though, that I'd like the listeners to hear, which is that, you know, the positives are very important, but but so is and and I see that as the the light in a way, the light energy. But so is is the darkness, because if you can lean into the challenges, if you can be with the adversity and if you can be with 
yourself through that and not try and negate it, not try and pretend it's something different, not try and resist it or fight it. If you can just be with it, you know, this is what it means to be human. It's a, it's a critical part of our human experience that we try and gloss over, you know, in the media and stuff. But this is, you know, if there's no dark, then there can be no light because it's in the contrast that life really happens. And so, you know, feel into the emotional texture of what's going on for you if you if you are challenged and get curious about your relationship with it. Really feel into it and, and don't be afraid of it and don't negate it. Feel whatever it is you're feeling and feel it fully. And this isn't something that's often talked about, but this is how you get to know it. This is how you go beyond your edges, beyond your fear and really find that field that lies beyond because there is a place there for you and, the, and there's a gift, there's a calling, something is calling forth in that. And it may be your resilience, it may be so that you can really turn and confront yourself or confront your reality. Um, and you know, this really is what I believe accelerates our growth and learning in this in our lives is where we can go to the depths and stay there you know that's where we really find ourselves and that's certainly where I found myself um, and it wasn't necessarily the the lovely persona I hoped Jane to be when I got down there you know she she wasn't everything that I wanted her to be but in the essence when everything else was stripped away when my life my relationships when everything else just fell away and there was was just the essence of me it was interesting to build a relationship with her because I didn't know her and I didn't know that I didn't know her and now she's a key part of my life and so having gone through everything and knowing those depths now and choosing life it's really interesting because there's very few things that can knock me off my ground because she's she's there she's with me and I know her really well I know her limitations I know what she can and can't do she has boundaries in place you know to because I now need to look after myself very well on a physical and emotional level because if I don't my pain comes back up so physically emotionally mentally spiritually in all these different dimensions now I'm fully connected and it's a very different way of being because I couldn't be fully connected unless I'd really got to know. I mean, Jungians call it the shadow self. But the, in there is this gift. And when you start to really know yourself, the essence of you, you can rely on you to show up when everything around you is uncertain and unknown. And that's the resilience piece. And that's the thing that I absolutely wouldn't be without. And if I hadn't gone through what I'd gone through, I know I, I wouldn't be this person that I am today without it. You're listening to Creating Copalmet Radio with host Lonnie Kwan. I'm always amazed and astounded and overjoyed by how a conversation manifests and wonder if there's anything you'd like to share, perhaps some work that you're currently doing um, and, and anything for the future. I think... Um, I think there's one thing I'd like people to know, and that is this, this thing about fear. 
Okay, so I, I do edge walker. So I talk about edge walking as a space. Um, and when I talk about edge walking, it's not just about going to the edges. Everybody thinks edge walking is about the edge because it can be kind of scary when you're at your learning edge or the leading edge of something, you know. But the, the edge is an incredible place to be because if you think of yourself on the edge of a cliff, it's the place where you can see further than most. But what's interesting about edge walking is that it goes beyond the fear because the fear is always worth than the reality in my experience. So don't let the fear stop you from doing whatever it is that you want to do in the world. Don't let other people stop you and the fear of being wrong, the f all, so many fears that we have. Don't allow that to stop you from, from what it is that you intuitively know that you're being called towards, that you want to do, that you want to try on. And edge walking is all about that because it is about walking on the edges of different worlds. And, and this is a kind of a tension of our time. But particularly for any coaches listening, edge walking, I believe, is, is the, the new paradigm that's emerging for coaching. And it's not about the edge. It's about the transformational space that opens between two worlds. That might be the present and the future. That might be between an individual and an organizational space. It might be between you and your client, you and another person in the interrelationship space. But when these two worlds act like polarities, there's a space that opens in between. And this is the this is the Rumi's field. This is the space beyond. This is the space of interconnectivity and the transformational and transcendent space. This is the space for you to find when you're challenged, when you're in adversity. Go beyond your judgments of yourself and of other people and find this space. Because this is a space, yes, it's a space of disruptive innovation. It can feel a bit edgy here. But it's also the space where if you'll allow it, whatever it is that is being called forth from you will emerge through you. So there's a surrendering here. There's a letting go. There's a coming out from behind yourself here and really reconnecting to your core. And this is the space that I like to be in. And it's also the space I like to awaken other people to. So that's my final words, Lani. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Um, how can people get in contact with you online? Okay, so I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can just search me on Jane Warlow. Um, my, my two websites, janewarlow.com and um, resonantcoaching.com if you're a coach. Um, those are the two main places to find me, but I'm, I'm all over line. Google me, you'll find me everywhere. <laughs> Wonderful. And Jane's name is spelt uh, J-A-Y-N-E. Last name is Warlow. It's W-A-R-R-I-L-O-W for those folks listening. Thank you so much, Jane. Mahalo nui loa. Thank you for your time and insight. And um, yay, we're out in the world doing what we need to do. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you so much for the invitation. It's been a joy. To learn more about Lonnie Kwan and creating co visit www.copowerment.com. <laughs>